0: Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, I'm continuing to spill all of my secrets, every single thing that I know, and I'm talking all of the things that you need to know for life, everything I've learned as a marriage and family therapist, part two, that and more coming up on this episode of The Virtual Couch. Thank you for tuning in to episode 216 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultramarathon runner, and creator of The Path Back an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind you once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based, hold the shame, become the person you always wanted to be kind of way, then please head over to pathbackrecovery.com. There you will find a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to put pornography behind them once and for all. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And uh, please join me on Instagram at virtual Couch. Or you can also find me on Facebook at Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. And uh, at some point, uh, there is going to be a new version of my website. And right on the front page now will be the free parenting. Parenting Positively, even in the not so positive of times, it's a free online parenting course that is based on the Nurtured Heart Approach that you can go sign up for, take, take. It's uh, less than an hour. I think it's broken down into five or six different modules and it will help, uh, hopefully it will help you be a a better parent and I really feel like that. the, The principles of the Nurtured Heart Approach work with everyday life. And if you're interacting with people at work or, uh, I don't know, your your spouse, anybody. So again, you'll find that at TonyOverbay.com. It's either going to be right there on the front page, or you can also find it at uh, the Courses tab. And again, that one's absolutely free. And I've been talking a lot about a Magnetic Marriage course that is coming up soon. So if you go to TonyOverbay.com and sign up to get the newsletter, then you will be one of the first to find out about this Course That is is coming and I'm so excited about it, but I'm going to stop talking about it because there's going to be plenty to say about it coming up in the not too distant future. So I think that's all of the business. And uh, I want to get to the, the continuing. This is side B or part two of everything that I know and I'm going to try to keep this thing nice and tight then. I'm going to try to keep it under a half an hour. I have the video that is going up to my Virtual Couch YouTube channel. So feel free to go subscribe there. That would uh, that would be great. And as per usual, if you like the content that you hear, you can subscribe or share or rate or review and all those wonderful things that would uh, that would make my day. So let's let's get to uh, I have to tell you um I one of the I've been asking for questions you can send questions for an upcoming question and answer uh, episode to contact at tonyoverbay.com and uh, I've got so many good questions I, I can't wait to talk about. You know, there's some really good questions about some of the hardest things that, that I've dealt with in my office. But then there's good things about marriage and parenting and, and all the addictions, all that kind of stuff. So send those to contact at tonyoverbay.com. But one of the funniest things that I've received a few questions about is on one of the episodes, I'm not quite sure which one it was, but a spider literally crawled across my desk and I, I kind of freaked out a little bit. And I've had a couple of people say, hey, any more spiders? And the funny part is I moved offices, a bigger office in my building, which I was grateful for. And at that moment, I was able to, uh, my wife and I and one of my daughters, uh, Mackie, who's actually been on a couple episodes of the virtual couch, were able to come in here and we painted and uh, everything started from scratch. It was clean. And I bought one of these things you plug in. It's this, I don't know, ultrasonic high wave frequency, keep all the bugs out of your office device. And I plugged it in. And kind of side note, I was waiting for, I wanted one client to come in at some point and all of a sudden just say, man, something's, something's buzzing in my ears. And I, I wanted to meet the somebody that it was you know, hitting on their frequency. But I really thought, all right, this is great. Starting with a, a fresh coat of paint in here. Um, there was nothing else in the office. We cleaned all the cobwebs out. So all the spiders should be gone. And I've got this thing that was reviewed very well on Amazon. And I plug it in. And uh, last week, it was actually last Monday, Nine o'clock, my nine o'clock client sitting on my couch. You can actually, well, kind of see it in the background there. And what what happens? But a spider goes crawling across the wall right behind this person. And I swear to you, and I think I'm probably making this up, but it, it almost like stopped and kind of did a little thumb to the nose thing, almost like, hey, look at this old man, I'm, I'm in here. You know, I don't care about your device that's plugged in or, or any of that sort of thing. So I just said, hey, can I stop this very touching moment that we're having in therapy right now and just point out the spider that's kind of right behind you? And this person was very calm. Uh, And so um, let's just say that I I escorted the spider out of the room. Um, We'll just kind of leave it at that. But but I'm thinking, really? And so when I come in now, I'm still on hyper alert of spiders. And I shouldn't have taken the time for that story if I'm going to keep things nice and tight, trying to keep things here to a half an hour at best. So today I want to get to... More of these items of this list, this this list that I wrote, uh, I think manifesto is too strong of a word, but things that I know and I've continued to to add to this list. And one of the funnest things about this list is I've brought it up in therapy a few times, almost as somewhat of an assessment tool, and especially with clients that I've been working with to kind of say, hey, here here are some things that I I think um important to know. And I would love your opinion. I would love you to poke holes in these. And it's not like I'm I, at the end of a session, I go, aha, I was right with all of these things that I know. But I think that a lot of these things um, are just very nice therapeutic principles. Last week, we talked a little bit about cognitive behavioral therapy versus acceptance and commitment therapy. A lot of a lot of great feedback from there, actually from therapists. And uh, I'm even going to do a couple of speaking opportunities just from the last week of talking about ACT versus CBT. So if you're a therapist and you're hearing this right now, Go listen to episode 215, and I kind of started out that way because one of the essential principles of ACT is saying that hey, what if we start this whole dialogue of of trying to help someone of saying you're not broken, you're you, but uh, that's all in this last episode. So I covered some of that, some other things, but uh, you know what? Um, let me get to today's list because I'm going to run out of time. So. The first thing that I want to uh, to bring up this is item number 6 and I just I I numbered these just randomly as I as they just popped out of my head so it's not in some some big order here. But number 6 is this concept and it's big in the couples therapy arena especially in emotionally focused therapy or EFT which I've done a lot of episodes on. But in EFT, there's a couple of principles or ground rules. And one of them is kind of this concept of where you go into, you kind of go into life or you go into your relationship with this this construct of nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, let me see, how can I ruin my partner's day? Or how can I ruin somebody's day? And, and, and stay with me. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions or asterisks or that sort of thing. There's even a part of me that lately, as I've even... Um, talk more about the items on this list. I, I in my head always say there's an asterisk if if you're dealing with somebody with a personality disorder. So if your partner happens to be somebody that is narcissistic or borderline personality disorder, that uh, that I, I would I would you know put an asterisk on some of these things that we're talking about. And as a matter of fact, that might be a, a future episode of what would these things look like um, with that asterisk in mind. But nobody waking up in the morning thinks, how can I ruin somebody's day? So if somebody is acting a certain way, and the best examples I see of this is if somebody is, is waking up and they feel withdrawn, um, that you as a spouse or you as a parent, if you see that person withdrawn, they didn't wake up that, that day and say, I know what I'll do. I'm going to withdraw just to spite or punish that person. Or you know what, if they did, if that is is kind of even a subconscious thought that that is an opportunity to connect. It's an opportunity to express empathy for that person and say, "Hey, I'm noticing that you're you're kind of distant today. Tell me more about that." It's not the, "Oh, this again? Are we playing the uh, you're you're not going to show up at breakfast game?" Or are we playing the you're going to ignore me the silent treatment? If somebody is giving the silent treatment, or if somebody is withdrawing or not engaged during a meal or whatever that looks like, then then that's an opportunity for you to say okay, I don't think that they woke up and said, I know what I'll do. I will withdraw and I will hurt my partner. So it's an opportunity to say, Hey, I'm noticing that you, you're, you seem a bit withdrawn. Um, is everything okay? Or, or tell me more about that or tell me what's going on right now, or take me on your train of thought. And I just think that's a great way to operate from because it, it almost, well, it does. It invites empathy. It invites you to say, uh, even if somebody it wakes up and they're angry, you know, it's like, okay, I, I really don't believe people wake up and say, okay, here's the day. Uh, it's yelling time. But I feel like if they are doing that, that it's, uh, you get to say, Hey, I'm noticing that you seem a little bit anxious today or notice that you seem a little bit angry today. Tell me what's going on or, or, Hey, I'm here for you. I mean, just instead of the, again, instead of the putting someone on the defensive right away. And last week I talked about psychological reactance, the instant negative reaction of being told what to do. So, you know, we, we all have this natural pushback. It's innate. It's built in within us. It's part of our survival skills. It's our agency. It's our, in our DNA. So, you know, if we wake up and somebody is, is we notice that somebody in our family is a bit angry. And, uh, and we say, uh, okay, you need to calm down. I mean, do you think that person goes, oh my gosh, thank you. I think I'll calm down now. No, they're like, really, well, you need to calm down, you know, and now we're, we're off onto some very unproductive conversations. So this is an opportunity to have empathy for somebody. So we'll kind of leave that one at number six. Um, And actually, I've got a couple of thoughts on here that I wrote down. Let me pull up the old iPad. Uh, So if if Sue Johnson, the founder of EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy, in her book, uh, Love Sense, and she's also the author of Hold Me Tight. But in Love Sense, she quoted another psychologist with a a beautiful um, quote that talks about attachment and it talks about why we do want to have this connection with with our partner Um, the message touted by popular media and therapists has been that we're supposed to be in total control of our emotions before we turn to others. Love yourself first, and then another will love you. Our new knowledge stands that message on its head. For humans, says psychologist Ed Tronick of the University of Massachusetts, the maintenance of emotional balance is a dyadic collaborative process. In other words, we are designed to deal with emotion in concert with another person, not by ourselves. So that, at times, is one of those concepts that i I believe fully, but and and i and I get, and I've done a couple of episodes on this I really have where if somebody's coming into me and they say, "I know I have to get my act together before I can be there for my partner," I hear you i I do, and because a lot of times that means somebody has has been it, it hasn't worked when they are trying to be there for their partner, if they're trying to say, "Hey, I'm feeling down," you know, and they're turning to their partner to To kind of help them process. So I understand if that's not where someone's at. If they're not at that position, then I highly recommend finding a good couples therapist to be able to try to at least talk about what a collaborative dyadic union would look like. Because what Sue Johnson's saying is that we actually are these attachment-based creatures that uh, were born little pink squishy babies that that relied upon someone for our sustenance for our life we aren't rhinoceroses who can go off after 30 minutes or an hour and kill our own food and and just go about our lives so that continues moving forward and uh boy this is a topic for another day but there's a i've been reading a lot of uh, uh there's a, a book was it called Human Magnet Syndrome, or, or it's a it's a really good book, but it even talks about something I bring up in therapy a lot. There's a concept of codependency, which I completely understand, which is that concept of of an enabler. When you're talking about things like addiction, there's even a second definition that I've done a little bit of uh, kind of talking about here in in my local area, where if you are are gathering your sense of self worth. Um, on based on the reactions of others, that's also a definition or a form of codependency. But but oftentimes, I believe, and in this book, Human Magnet Syndrome, um, the author shares the the similar view of we need to take a different look at what that concept of codependency means. I, I often see people in a therapy session, a couples therapy session, where somebody says, "Hey, um, you know, I uh, I would lo- I, I need some help, or could you do this for me?" And where the the spouse will say. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to be too enmeshed or I don't want to fall into some codependent pattern. And so oftentimes what that feels like for the spouse is, wait a minute, you're not there for me. You, you're, you're not able to help me when I'm in need. So, so I, I love this concept in Sue Johnson's love sense or that we are attachment based creatures. So I want to tell a story and uh, I'll try to make this quick, but it's a tale of two couples. And I think that this might even best illustrate this concept of no one wakes up and thinks how can I hurt my partner? And that we are designed to work in this collaborative dyadic union. If we're married, I mean that's why we that's why we couple. I mean, that's one of the, the things. So uh, quick water break. Okay, tale of two couples. I did write this down. And and these are both um, a collaboration of people that come into my office, so I don't want anyone to hear this that I happen to be seeing and think, "Oh my gosh, that's me." One of them is me, or the other one's me, or that sort of thing. So, uh, I, I all the exact details have been changed. So, two couples, uh, two couples both had traumatic events to their marriage, and it could be it could be anything. It could be infidelity. It could be betrayal. It could be exposure of some deep dark secrets. It can be addictive behaviors. You name it. So. But for the sake of the story, two couples, they both have had something like this happen in their relationship. So both come into therapy to improve their marriages. One couple comes weekly, puts in the work, listens to podcasts, reads books, comes into therapy with questions, practices the skills they learn, what I like to say, quote, out in the wild. And then they bring back data. They go over it with the therapist and and they're, they're working. It's their marriage. They're working hard on their marriage. And it's difficult, hard work. And there are ups and downs. And over the course of the year, they make incredible strides. They begin to look outside of themselves. They learn true empathy. They learn about this attachment theory. They learn about emotionally focused therapy. They learn that this dyadic union, what that looks like is they can go off throughout the day and have these ups and downs, these difficult experiences, but they know they've got this safe haven to come back to. And their partner is going to say, tell me about your day. What was that like? Tell me more. Their partner's not going to say, well, I would have done this or, well, that was silly. Why didn't you do this? You know, these fixing and judgment statements. So they now communicate like they never have before. They have become incredibly raw. They become vulnerable. And they still this is key. They still have difficult times. They have ups and downs. They get triggered. They have uh, they, they misread um, verbal or emotional cues or eye rolls or sighs, or that sort of thing. And that might even happen daily. But they now have the tools and the confidence to communicate and be there for each other. I mean, their marriages, we're talking now kind of magnetic, next level kind of stuff. And so that's one couple. And so that one truly, when they wake up and they see that their partner is, is withdrawn or not, not doing well or is angry then they they know, oh my gosh, I know what to do with this. I will run to my partner and say, tell me more about that. I'm here for you. And their partners, even if they feel like, "Ah, I don't want to talk about it, they know, okay, we've got this framework. I know this person's there for me. We've been through some difficult times. We know how to communicate. I'm going to seek first to understand before being understood. One of the concepts I talked about last week. And so they live happily ever after. I mean, I, I really believe that. So another couple, the, the second couple, and you can maybe guess where we're going to go here. Um, they come in a time or two after the, uh, I'm using one-handed air quotes because I'm holding my iPad with the other hand. But they come in a time or two and the quote offender, we'll call the person, the one who's, whether it was their secret was exposed or they were the betrayer. Um, they come in a few times and they say, okay, hey, I'm, uh, I'm not doing the thing that I was doing before that that got me in trouble. Um, it's been a few weeks. I think we're good. I mean, I really, I'm good. I, I think we're, we're completely fine. So and then that couple, um, and again, I am this is a this is so often that this is a collaboration, an amalgamation of of couples. So I do not want anyone to think, wait a minute, he's talking about me. But so this one, they will reach out from time to time, they will hail help, Mayday. Uh, get us in we're having problems and sometimes I can't get them in for a week or two weeks or three weeks I'm looking for these cancellations and I'm you know I used to do everything I could of oh my gosh this couple they're they're in so much distress and I really want to help and I mean they came in a few times you know and so uh, but by the time I get them in uh, sometimes they, they're saying oh no no we're good we work that one through or they come in and this is what typically happens is uh the therapist gets them in and the betrayed is is angry. Um they they just want to just yell and scream and they want the therapist to validate them and to back them up and and uh and then even the betrayer gives a lot of, well yeah, but and, and those yeah buts are things like, well yeah, but I mean you could have been nicer, or well yeah, but you, you didn't say anything about that either. I mean you didn't you didn't let me know about that, or you know, how was I supposed to? And there's a lot of that kind of defensive. It's not a Um, oh my gosh, my partner's distressed. You know, the person that I maybe betrayed is distressed, but I'm here for them. Tell me more about that. There's not that. And so then the betrayer eventually says, okay, I, I know I'm the one who offended and I will go back to doing everything for the betrayed and I'll stuff all of my emotions and I will slowly start to maybe even return to some familiar patterns of old because that's the pattern the brain knows. It doesn't know this secure attachment of a relationship. And so um, they'll stuff their emotions and then hopefully they will be longer before we have another blow up. And then that couple will then see that, OK, well, now it's been two months since we really blew up at each other, maybe even three months. And they say, so see, things are getting better, but they have no idea how to communicate more effectively or communicate properly. And they don't see their partner wake up and be upset or be withdrawn or and say, I know what to do with that. They have this mindset of, oh, gosh, here we go again. You know, I'm going to ignore this. Hope it goes away. So, so that's, I know that's not part of the, well, it is, I mean, the part of the things that I know, but so I believe when we have that, if if that doesn't jive that, okay, they didn't wake up and think, how can I hurt my partner? Um, then i really would encourage you to to seek some counseling some emotionally focused therapy um go back and and just google my name and eft or podcast or whatever and there's a lot of episodes there that you can just start to learn the basics of eft or get the book hold me tight by sue johnson or the book love sense by sue johnson and uh, and i think that that will that that tale of two couples is real it is so Real that I can't even explain that, um, I and mean, because out of there, who? Do, I mean, obviously, who do you think is thriving? Who is healing? And uh, and I was going to talk about this, and I'll make it really brief. But I get I get a lot of referrals. I'm very grateful for that. A nice busy practice. Uh, so much of it is um, about the podcast, or or I don't know. I, I I used to write a newspaper column in the area, or speak a lot area and locally, so I get a lot of referrals. And, uh, I mean, I think in the past weekend, I was kind of going through this this morning, trying to get caught up on email and there's maybe, I don't know, a dozen or so. And, and I know that that sounds like a good problem to have, but when the referrals say things like, okay, my, my husband, um, we're on the verge of divorce and he listened to your podcast and and he's like, okay, I'm willing to work with Tony and that's all. And you can't fit somebody in again, it's not a good problem to have, or, you know, something that's going on with a teenager or there's things where you just want to help. But I bring this up because within these referrals, They're so often and and so many of these sessions that I that I'm in, they they're basically someone who wants to come in and then convince me that either I'm wrong or convince me that their partner's wrong or convince me to tell their teenager to knock off whatever it is that they're doing. And, and I feel like that is just one of those things that doesn't really get anywhere, you know, and, and at the core of all of this is still this desire to just, again, know that somebody didn't wake up and think, how can I hurt my parent or how can I hurt my spouse? And so it, we need to go into that thing with more empathy, that whole conversation with more empathy. Um, Okay. And actually I wrote in my notes and I, what have I got here? I've got 10 minutes, um, that, uh, therapy with teenagers. I'll just make this so fast. It's really fascinating. I still see a handful of teenagers, um, because I really do want to be there and work with teenagers. I've, I've got four kids of my own, uh, and they've been teenagers and I really want to be there and hear teenagers. But I think what's fascinating is parents will send a teenager to a therapist and often say, Fix, fix him or fix her. And they will then tell the therapist, here's all the things they're doing wrong. We've been telling them they're doing them wrong, but now we're going to pay you to tell them that they're doing things wrong. And I'm sure you can see where I'm going here. That doesn't quite work. You know, the, the, the job of the therapist with the teenager is to be a safe place where the teenager can feel heard, maybe understood, and then, the therapist can kind of explore, okay, tell me, tell me what your goals are. Tell me what your particular values are. Tell me what your struggles are because, and then hopefully help communicate that to the parents so that there can be this open communication. Um, but I digress. So the next thing, um, that I know is uh, number seven to be heard is to be healed or to be healed is to be heard. And I feel like I'll make that one pretty quick. And it's a lot of what I just talked about for the last 10 or 15 minutes, but we all want to be heard. We want to know that um, somebody cares about us, which actually jumps right into number eight. I, I put on here and maybe I can go through and, and combine some of these in the not-too-distant future. But we all know that we, we want to know that we matter to somebody. And, and maybe if I go back to EFT, the core principles there are I want to know that, that somebody cares about me, that they have my back, that they love me, and that uh, that I can turn to them. And that I matter to them. And so we all have this desire to be to to, to be cared about. And I think a lot of times, one of the, the big epiphanies I had early on as a therapist talking with my own kids was how, you know, if you kind of step back at times, I want to say, hey, champ, tell me what's going on in your life. I want to know what's important to them. I want to know about the music they like. I want to know about the movies they watch. I want to know about the Netflix shows they're streaming. I want to know about the YouTubers that they follow. But I feel like too often as parents, we say, Hey, I'm going to tell them about my experience. I'm going to take every situation and make it into this life lesson. And then we create this interesting pattern with our kids where, you know, they, we are, we are, we are kind of talking to them or talking at them when at their core, they want to be heard. And so I I just say so often, our job as parents, I believe, is to say, tell me more about that. You know, tell me what's going on for you. And then to turn off the fixing and judgment. If they say, I'm watching this particular YouTuber and we look and that YouTuber, they look bad or it looks like a bad influence. It doesn't help us to say, I don't want you watching that anymore. You know, because here they just opened up and turned to us. And then we said, that is bad. Do not do that. So not the most productive uh, of, uh, of conversations to have. So because we all want to know that we matter. And, and then again, we want to be heard. To be heard is to be healed. So that's seven and eight, a nice combo pack. Um, number nine is, is one that I, very, I feel very passionate about. I say it often. and I, One of the most flattering things is I've seen this quoted a time or two, but it's uh, that nobody likes to be should on. You, you know, You should do this. You should do that, including our own brains. And what I mean by that is if you really look at thought suppression – if you look at and I, I hear this daily, I mean, yesterday, because I knew I was going to be doing this this episode of the podcast, I was hyper aware of how many times people during the day should on themselves. I know I should do this. or My parents says you should do this or even I had a couple people. You know what you should do? You should do this. And there's a couple of things that happen. Number one, we don't want to be shut on because we don't feel heard. And But the, the bigger piece to that, and I talked about this last week and I talked about it earlier today, is psychological reactance. Instant negative reaction of being told what to do. So think of your own brain with regard to thought suppression. When you tell yourself, don't think of the pink elephant with wings. Just added those there. What are you thinking of right now? You're thinking of a pink elephant with wings, and for some reason, mine is wearing a tutu, a uh, pink tutu as well. But if you're telling your brain, don't, that is the ultimate example of no one wants to be shoot on. Our own brain is like, I will do whatever I want, old man, and it does. And as a matter of fact, I'm back on my, um, what is that, a bookshelf behind me? I do have, oh no, they're actually right here, uh, clay polymer brains. Oh, this is right here, it's ready. Um, all right. This is a whole reason to go watch this on YouTube. Um, uh, a, a wonderful friend created this. I'm holding it up right now. It is a clay polymer brain. And it is holding up a sign that says this. And as a matter of fact, the sign glows in the dark. It's pretty amazing. But what what this is about is when I've done some episodes on thought suppression, the, the concept is that we will tell our brains, don't think of this. And I say, our brain not only thinks about it, but it it says, what, this? And it holds up a sign of what you're telling it not to think about. Um, one of the fun things I love, and I've got an episode two, two and a half years ago on, it's called inappropriate thought syndrome. And that is the concept of where, um, everybody has these interesting, crazy, um, inappropriate, uh, uh, violent or any of these kind of thoughts. We all have them, you know, we're gonna pull our car into another lane. or I always say that mine is when we used to stay at Embassy Suites hotels. I would look down from the courtyard and you know get jelly legs and think I could totally jump. Um, but so we all have these thoughts and uh, these kind of inappropriate or crazy thoughts. Uh, number two on that, just because we have those thoughts doesn't mean we're gonna do it. I have uh, jumped from that balcony uh, exactly zero times. But number three is that thought suppression doesn't work. So telling yourself "don't think that" only does allows your brain to go "what this." So, so even your own brain doesn't like to be shut on. And I want you to be aware of this. I got a nice, uh, a nice text from uh, uh, my daughter's boyfriend yesterday. That you know, reading this thing where he's, you know, he was talking about a couple of things. One where you know he was listening to an episode that was talking about how we say, "Man, I know exactly what you're going through." And he was talking about, "Okay, I get it now. Maybe, maybe we don't know exactly what somebody else is going through, but it's so." that's what we just say often and i feel like another one is you know what you should do you should do this and uh, and again i feel like um that is something to just really be aware of i want you to kind of focus on that today a little bit of how often are you are you even saying no i i know you i know what you're talking about i know exactly what you're talking about you know and you're saying that to a single mom and you're like a teenage boy i don't know something like that it's like well you really don't know what what that person's gone through bless your heart for trying or and and i appreciate that that sympathy but empathy is really trying to jump in there and say, tell me what that's like. But the other one is saying, you know what you should do? Because um, think about when people should on you, you know, do, is your natural reaction the, I think I will do that. Or is your natural reaction typically, well, well, no, I mean, I've tried that already Or, Well, no, 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 you, you don't even understand. I mean, I have people doing that often when I will, I mean, even today, when I say, I've got all these referrals. I mean, if if I mention that to somebody, you know, it's usually, well, you know, what you should do, you should get an assistant, you should get a this, you should do this. And it's like, I've thought of all these things like, you know, if you're if you're kind of going through that experience, you're thinking about these things all the time. So when somebody says you should um, actually, it's almost like we got to burn more mental calories of trying to say, well, no, 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 that that wouldn't work. Well, have you thought about this or you should do this or. And again, I appreciate what people are doing, but uh, but it isn't necessarily as as helpful, or productive as uh, maybe we think. The the next one I'm going to do takes a little bit of time. Um, we are at the 28-minute mark. I have a client that is coming to my office in five minutes. I've never cut it this close. So I'm going to leave things right there. So what we talked about today is uh, some of my favorite things. And no one wakes up in the morning and thinks, how can I ruin my partner's day? And uh, if they're acting a certain way, um, it's because uh, maybe they aren't sure what else to do or say for them to be heard or understood. So this is an opportunity to connect with somebody, to have empathy. Um, the next thing that we covered was, and I did the tale of two couples. Uh, And so uh, we talked about the next one, to be heard is to be healed or to be healed is to be heard, whichever one works best for you. And number eight, we all know that we matter to somebody. And then the last one we covered today is nobody likes to be shut on even your own brain. So I'm gonna cover more of these in part three coming up next week. I've got a bonus episode I'm gonna try to get to today or tomorrow that I'll run later in the week. It's the bonus episode of, uh, I had someone on my show a, a long time ago That actually um, had spent some time in prison. It shared a cell with somebody that um, that gave a lot of insight into the the sex trafficking um, trade. And I know there's so much about that. Protests and and so many so much uh, being attention being brought to that. what's going on with that, which I'm so grateful for, but um, man, the fascinating episode a couple of years ago. So I'm going to rerun that with some some additional thoughts up front. So that's coming up later this week. But uh, I hope that you all have a, an amazing week. I will end this uh, show with turning to the wonderful, the talented Aurora Florence with her song, It's Wonderful. And I will see you next time on The Virtual Cash. Compressed emotions flying past Our out the other end. Of the daily grind, it's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost. I'm floating past the midnight hour. They push aside.